Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University podcast and another edition of the Mandalorian Recaps. I'm your co-host, Anthony Canton III, along with my buddies, my pals, my fellow co-hosts, one of the producer, Jake Chrissy. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, happy to be back talking about Mendo with my friends. Uh, um, and yeah. Mendo. And also uh, Jerome Cheng, who... I gave the who I said had the the night off last time is back with us. Jerome, how are you? Uh, I'm great. I caught up last minute. Um, classic, I don't know, high school Jerome studied for the test right before we started it right now. So uh, I watched both episodes back to back that I missed uh, right before getting into here. So happy to be here now. So that so that's interesting. So just quickly before we get into what we'll be talking about today is Chapter 12, The Siege, directed by Carl Weathers. Um, really tremendous stuff that we're going to get to shortly. But um, I do want to get your quick thoughts of what you thought of Chapter 11, uh, The Heiress, with uh, the fellow Mandos. What were your, what were your general thoughts on the episode? Uh, it seems that adding more Mandalorians makes it a lot more fun. Um, that was definitely the case. <laughs> and uh, I would add that um, I know it's an important character that and she will come back much larger just because of her connection to the Darksaber and Moth Gideon. But every time I heard Bo-Katan, it just sounded like a fictional place that I would travel to when I can finally get out of this pandemic. <laughs> That'd be it. <laughs> I felt like Bo-Katan actually sounds like, to me, he sounds like a kind of overweight sec quarterback who like oh is not like actually he's not actually that good but becomes like a local hero because he starts for like three years straight at like vanderbilt or kentucky Um, uh, uh, how about i I do like the idea that before um they ended up landing on rocky maivia uh they started with boca tan and then Mm. um and then eventually got to the rock where we are now perfect that is great. All right. So, yeah, so we started off with the siege. Um, it, this was really fun. This was a really fun episode. Um, we had a fun cold open with Big Mando to try and fix up the ship. The blue the blue wire, red wire bit was uh, was pretty hilarious. It was a cute way to start the, start the episode. Um, Baby Yoda in all of his glory. Uh, just, just, just tremendous. And I just love so far in this season... They're, they're, they're not giving us, like, a ton of Baby Yoda, but they're sprinkling him in in bits and pieces, and he's always fitting in. He's been the, uh, he's been the, the comedy guy this, uh, this entire season thus far. So that was really fun. And, of course, Tara Dune um, in the next scene, and she kicks ass and beats the crap out of some aliens and picks up a little ferret alien-like friend that that was cool since we didn't really get to talk about Cara Dune since we didn't cover season one uh Jake what do you think of her character and uh how you feel about her being back I like the character a lot I think that it's she's an interesting way of viewing the because we see we hear a lot about like the um the effects of the wars being over um from characters but like for example mando didn't fight in the war because he's you know bounty hunter carl weathers character like doesn't seem like he was involved so like it's nice to see like a main character who has that experience and 
Um, I always really liked the way that she related to going against the Empire because it was different for her, even though everyone's kind of been shit on by the Empire. Like, one, uh, she fought against them in a war, but also her entire planet got blown up by the Empire just because Darth Vader wanted to make a point. Um, and so I think that she's a really good conduit for all that. And I think it's just, you know, it's uh, fun to see a character who is, if not just as, almost as good at uh, killing people as Mando is. Um, and so a lot of, and also just having an actress who is so adept at fighting scenes allows for some like some really cool action sequences where you can you can just tell from watching them like oh if this was not a former MMA champion they would have to cut more but they don't have to because it's okay they can have the same actress say the line and then kill the person you know um, and that's always so nice. Yeah, I've been digging the action sequences in this season thus far. This episode doesn't disappoint either how about you jerome uh seeing her return to the fray um i yeah i'm a big fan of her uh and just like looking back to the other characters because they definitely what were what also made the season so fun uh like in the first season um just generally speaking uh yeah i i think we'll get into it later so i won't talk about it too much now but i do like how it felt like these disparate characters and stories are already suddenly coming together and overlapping and the world is, or the galaxy i guess is feeling smaller than it is um so i just like how everything is coming together yeah that's a good point and we definitely will get to that uh, point later uh credits roll and uh, we're back with grief Karga, played by carl weathers um just the just a jovial dude to see on the screen. Just really enjoy uh, the energy that he brings to to um, the show when he comes back in. Uh, really cool there. So obviously Mando and Baby Yoda land on Navarro to get the repairs fixed. Um, it was interesting when, so as they're leaving, talk about what they're going to do. Um, I saw that alien with the bug eyes look back, and I was like, huh, there's something funky about this guy. But, uh, you know, that we'll get to that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But um, so th- there's an Imperial base on Navarro that uh, Grief Cargo wants to get rid of. He wants to destroy it. And Mando's, as, as per usual when it comes to helping people, just a little hesitant, but since he's been uh, working with these people before, um, he's he's akin to do it. Obviously, Baby Yoda can't come on this mission. It's a little mm. too dangerous for him. So he's left. Also, they're fixing school. his ship, so he does kind of owe a bit yeah. of a debt. And, and he yeah. also does owe them a debt for like all the, the stuff. He owes them some debt. Like I think that if it's fair, fair enough. To ask well, him. they saved his ass at the end of yeah, exactly. season one. Exactly. Right. So, so so yeah, that 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 was fun leaving Baby Yoda behind. Uh, uh, head of the class, Baby Yoda. Um, sitting next to the student who has the special cookies, which, by the way, they Star Wars did put those cookies on sale this week. Oh hell um, yeah! I mean, they kind of <laughs> just look like ma- they kind of just look like um, what's it called? Uh, macaroons. macaroons. Yeah, I th- yeah. that's what I thought I was looking at at that point. Like they look like macaroons. Baby Yoda was trying to get on those. They look like macaroons, but with like a um, 
almost like a marshmallow fluff like consistency in the middle mm -hmm. because if you look at the mm -hmm. kid's mouth it doesn't look like he just ate a macaroon not that i was really focused on how delicious these snacks looked or anything like that but i do like that um i definitely was yeah no, i i of course I <laughs> I but uh i i do like how you, you were talking about earlier ac about how they don't have that much baby yoda in it but i like that baby yoda like all babies in any given scene his motivation is singular and it's just to get snacks and one that's very relatable, but it's also like it never feels unearned because it's like, yeah, he's a, you know a baby, and babies like snacks, whether it be like eggs in a jar or a spider uh, like larva or these cookies, you know. And my man just wants a snack, and I've never. It, He's very relatable is what I'm trying to say. But I just love it. It's like in any given scene, it's like, what's baby Yoda doing? And when way, shape, or form, he's trying to eat something. I also like that in the arc of a baby having such a singular focus, it is moving along from very adorable, and it still remains very adorable, to Baby Yoda just kind of a dick about it. Like, just takes their his cookies at that point. And um, I think, well, I mean, I think we need to spend more time talking about it because uh, AC mentions that we don't really get a bunch of baby yoda in it and that or like overall in the season so far but i feel especially for me watching those two episodes back to back like we're really starting to like dive into good baby yoda moments and um and i i just like how the character gets brought around like gets put put in the classroom all the classmates are just like getting so excited which is exactly how i would react if they put mm -hmm. baby yoda in front of me in a classroom mm -hmm. and then Exactly to your point. I mean, this is the one that I think we could relate the most to because it was the one time where Baby Yoda was going for something to eat and it actually looked appetizing to yes, us. Yes, that's true. Because I didn't want to eat the eggs in the jar or the spider eggs. Not even close. Now, now it is worth noting that AC dropped out of the Skype call. Um, and <laughs> but I think we get we're still let's keep talking because for a couple reasons. One, because I think we got a lot to say, and also because I don't have to stop and then edit this later. Um, exactly. But, but yeah, I, I think that Baby Yoda. I like how they're using Baby Yoda now relief because clearly they're gonna use him for more sophisticated stuff and more plot important stuff later mm -hmm. um and so i don't i like it they're keeping him involved but he's not in the plot yet because we got he, some force yoda so that's exactly huge. oh yeah um, i love how you i mean that's how a baby would use the force to get cookies mm -hmm. yeah and um just kind of re I, I rewinding back just because we're talking baby yoda and how we came into the episode um I think I need a full episode of Baby Yoda just trying to, um, uh, what what am I? What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, what do you do with a bomb again that you're supposed to defuse? Deactivate. Defuse. Thank you. That's the word. <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. Yes. Um, but like Baby Yoda and maybe like a Mission Impossible high tense situation, like you have the full yeah, no, Impossible he's, he's... missions team. Down. he's hanging down from the wire like tom cruise in the first one um entirely that baby yoda in an ocean's 11 situation mm -hmm. just we got to put baby yoda in situations so, where we really don't know but in ocean's 11 he's like he's like the Cirque du Soleil guy right where he's in the vault and he has I, I was thinking that I, I was thinking he could also be basher he could be the don Cheadle, but just not uh, working out at all for everyone yeah i mean I mean, the thing is, Basher is kind of messes up a couple of times, and uh, yes, or, yeah. Um, and you know what? And I love Don Cheadle to death. I think that Baby Yoda going Meh, is about as good of a British accent as Don Cheadle does in Ocean's Eleven. 
So honestly, trade the two, you wouldn't notice a difference at that point. That's true. Anyway, um, welcome I mean, back. Casey's back, so we can start talking about the plot again. <laughs> oh no, it's okay. Um, I, no, it's okay. I enjoyed that. I got to be honest. If there's anything that I want to see Baby Yoda do, is I want to see him on Instagram with a vlog on food. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, at yeah. this point, we've seen him try various dishes and. You know I what? really want to see I think that. I'm going to have to uh, switch it up. Can we do ju- – because, like, in a vlog situation, Baby Yoda needs to host. But I think we just, like – you know the kids that unwrap toys, yeah. like, yeah. on YouTube? Mm-hmm. I think that. Yeah. Not a oh, lot of conversation oh, around it, but just just hovering around it, um, trying to put together – but food. I like – I like revealing the food and baby Yoda, like will baby Yoda eat it or not. I don't I think baby Yoda will eat anything that's mm-hmm. presented. Well, cuz you know how there's that whole genre of YouTube videos that somehow exists and I really it literally I learned someone today which was Irish Mock people bun? try Thai oh. food. And it's like oh, okay. who cares? Like it's just basically like Mad Libs like uh <laughs> mm-hmm. skateboarders try Greek street snacks. It's like who cares? But yeah, this baby Yoda tries insert food and he'll always like it cuz it's food. Anyway, AC you can do Yoda mukbang. I think that's the key. Um, oh, what are we talking about so, again? What episode is this? Yeah, we got through the whole episode in like 20 minutes last time, Jerome, because you were here. Uh, oh, is it? That? See, I didn't get to listen to it yet because I ha- I just watched the episode. I didn't want to ruin it, so I'm going to have to catch up. So, so, grief, so grief explains to Mando about the whole Imperial base situation. Now they need to take care of it. Um and uh, we run back into an old friend that we saw from the very first episode of the show, uh, Mithral. And um, it's nice to see him. He I mentions great that. Horatio Sands, that, you know, while we're yes, trying to Yes, it. yeah, shout out to Horatio Sands. Absolutely. And um, yeah, so it was fun to see Mithral kind of explain uh, I can't, what he's been up to. The interplay between him and Carl Weathers this whole entire episode was so much fun. Um, 350 years that you got to pay off. Oh, I'll take off 50 years. Oh, no, I'm going <laughs> to add another 200 years. Just so much fun. But, uh, I just wish Israel uh, would have driven them over in his Tercel. Sorry, that's a really <laughs> random <laughs> reference right there. Anyone who... <laughs> keep going. I keep. I, I realize why you, you guys do these uh, more efficiently without me. I mean, I know they're all, but yeah, but we do them more though. Like that's the thing. At least in my estimation. <laughs> anyway. So so Mando, Grief, uh, Kara, and Mithril, they all take off to the Imperial base. Um, so they're trying to figure out a way to get in. They're not. They're not having too much success. Amando just goes up on his jetpack and starts uh, beating the crap out of Imperial guards. Then they're able to open the door. Um, they attack the facility. They now they're trying to overheat the. Um, I don't know what it is. Whatever that computer. Well, uh, part it, what it was. looks like is it looks like there. Um, there's some type of water coolant system around the lava. And that they're basically trying—they're basically trying to turn it off so that it the lava will melt through and then overrun the base, I believe. Um, right, right. Yeah. The long story short, they're just right. trying—they're trying to turn off whatever it is that prevents the base getting overtaken by lava. Roundabout taking down an imperial base or ship by doing something to its core. Mm-hmm. Great idea. <laughs> and, I wonder if someone wants that. And, 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 <laughs> 
and you know, and then in the in the same uh, vein, so as they're doing that, uh, Mithral is uh, tasked with stepping over the ledge and and uh, and taking care of that aspect of things, which is another very fun scene. The interplay, you better do it. You better just get it done. <laughs> That's just really fun stuff from uh, from Carl Weathers there. And so they do that, and the place is about to blow. Um, and they're, you know, they're running, they're fighting the Imperial Guards at the same time, and they happen to come upon what looks like a lab of sorts. A lab filled with um, very um, mutated characters in there. It kind of reminds me of the Rise of Skywalker, uh, yeah. where we saw kind of like the fake Snoke, uh, Snoke's being made. Um, they even played the same exact score. Uh, from the oh, Rise of Skywalker, the Snoke's that. music, Good which I didn't chat. realize until after that. Um, and so as so as they they shoot the guards, uh, they find a transmission, and the transmission is from uh, somebody who was employed by Moff Gideon, who we actually saw in season one, uh, mm-hmm. where they took Baby Yoda, and apparently they harvested his blood. And in harvesting his blood, they were looking to obviously create, uh, whether it be subjects or soldiers, uh, to you know continue the imperial uh, the imperial base's needs uh, going forward, especially after losing to the Republic after Return of the Jedi. Time. So that was really well fascinating to find out. Uh, when you guys see this information being uh, played out, and obviously Mando's finding out that he thought Moff Gideon was dead. He thought he took care mm-hmm. of him. Um, mm-hmm. What did you guys think of that scene? What did you guys think of this information uh, coming to us? Either um, of you could go. I think that, well, for I think the, the stuff about them wanting to transfer Baby Yoda's powers to other people, I think was kind of implied, not so much implied, but just kind of like the obvious thing to no the audience knowing that baby or has the force and that's what they're after like trying to replicate it is kind of obvious what and i don't mean in a bad way i I think that it's one of those i think it's fun because us as audience members we know a lot more about the star wars universe than the characters who live in it do so like we know we we know why the child's special long before anyone else does right um yeah i thought it was um Fun. I actually kind of forgot that uh, Mando thought that Moff Gideon was dead because we just saw him in the last episode. I did forget that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I also thought, and my last thought was when I saw that guy again who played the doctor, I'm like, he's got to be so resentful that Riz Ahmed got his career and he didn't. Because, <laughs> like, they really are the same type. And I don't mean to, like, stereotype. It's like they have the same look, the same flat. They, like, just everything. I mean, it's Zach like, character. He Riz Ahmed, Zach character in Venom, right? Yeah. What? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I cannot believe that's not. If like if Mandalorian came out five years earlier, it would have been Riz Ahmed. And so anyway, feel bad for that guy. But he's got he's cashing checks from this. I just don't feel that bad for him. Um. I. I mean, Jake covered all that. Uh. Shout out to Space Hydra. Um. I. <laughs> wow. Think, Great point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, great reference. Uh, like we're just looking at the whatever Quicksilver Scarlet Witch situation getting created over there. Um, but uh, yeah, I think for me, Jay kind of covered all of it. The only thing that I thought was kind of funny was that they referred to the blood as having a particular M count, which uh, can only mean midichlorians in my mind. So, yeah. uh, no, shout out for mid- right. midichlorians living long, lasting long all this time. Oh. There's a science to the force. I wonder, do you think he has a higher M, Baby Yoda has a higher M count than Anakin, who 
famously uh the according to according to lore though it's widely speculated that anakin was immaculately conceived because palpatine controlled midichlorians for to make midichlorians themselves impregnate shmi skywalker so okay. but this is all this is real stuff that is like expanding universe stuff like this is all i'm not making that up um In so i'm wondering fertilization that's yeah so i'm wondering is that how baby yoda, like is that how yodas are born or is like or does that mean that anakin be more powerful than yoda did i ask this question just to shoehorn that fact about the extended universe into this because i think it's a great crazy thing that is real <laughs> of course it is um, of course it did. <laughs> yeah no one how did yodas happen but we, I guess, like, well, there's actually no, there is time. no extended universe stuff on the species that Yoda is. Um, I mean, it's very really explicitly a, asked, but nothing should be made about them. A question that Mando asks in, uh, I want to say, episode seven of season one, he asks, Is Baby Yoda a clone? He openly mm. wonders that. So, that is a question that a lot of people have speculated that because the timeline kind of matches that Baby Yoda could possibly be. A clone that uh, Palpatine made. Well, excuse me, Sifo-Dyas and Palpatine made. <laughs> um, no, but yeah, Sifo-Dyas, right. which also side note, also a lot of people think that Sifo-Dyas might have only been created as a character because George Lucas did a typo when writing Sidious. But I don't know if that's true. Right, right, um, right. But yeah, because obviously the cloning program would have started up around 50 years before Mandalorian takes place. Um, so. Mm. Uh, so yeah. Baby Yoda in this case, I mean, like, it's not a clone situation, but it's a kind of a replicating mm -hmm. uh, their own super soldier slash Jedi. So Baby Yoda is essentially the Bucky of this situation. He's a new breed of super soldier. Yeah. 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 I think that's what it I is. I appreciate All Jerome right. taking us to school. This is Marvel Cinematic University, by the way. Right. Um, right. Right. Exactly. Uh, so, so as they find this information out, uh, Mando's like, okay, I gotta go get the kid. So he jetpacks out of there. He's he's getting shot at. It don't matter. He's he's just rolling through. He's he's throwing guards off the the top of the top of the roof. They're falling down into the lava. It's really just like fun action. Of course, Kara, Grief, and Mithril are are all trying to escape at the same time. Um, they they end up taking a, a ship. That was really that was really a fun uh, sequence where. Where they just roll off the very top and then they drop on the same uh, cruiser that they were using to get to the Imperial base. And what ensues is uh, one of the more fun action sequences in the show's uh, history thus far. With a bunch of TIE fighters and Imperial guards chasing them for really a, an extended like five to six minute Mm -hmm. uh, scene, which was really, really fun. Uh, what did you guys think of that, Jerome? Did you enjoy that? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, kind of going back to the last time I was on here, uh, where Jake was pointing it out, what's the budget on this show that they keep on doing these fantastical action set pieces uh, over and over again? I think watching across the last two episodes, I just had this feeling like whatever way you feel about the story characters, which I do also enjoy, this might be the best-looking Star Wars content uh, out there. By the way... The first season, they don't. There's nothing, no information for the second season. But the first okay. season was 12.5 to 15 million dollars an episode. Ooh. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. That's oh a backup God. point guard. I mean, but you think uh, about it. You think about it. If the Mandalorian got, like, as Disney Plus is doing really well with subscribers, and a lot of it's because right. they have a library. But because it's a subscription service, you figure if if it's eight eight um 
eight seasons, eight episodes per season, and they're spending mm-hmm. like a hundred million dollars each about for the whole season, but they get like ten million subscribers. That I'm, right. I'm, that's a high more. Let's say five million subscribers mm-hmm. in two months it pays uh-huh. for itself. So like it's because like a hundred million like Star Wars making a hundred million dollar movie is actually pretty cheap. But it, for, yeah, for sure. The return on investment is yeah, ridiculous. Exactly. So I guess it's like if if they think it was worth it, I think it's probably worth it. I mean, Mandalorian is really the only original series on Disney Plus worth a damn, and I tons of people have Disney Plus. So Well, I'll I'll say this right here. My Disney Plus subscription actually expired <laughs> and I almost uh subscribed back just for Mandalorian. Um and I won't talk anymore about how I ended up seeing these last two episodes. No, of course not. And but hey, yeah. hey, to Canada doesn't extradite. That's not true. But let's. Sh- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, so yes, again, um, it was it was a really really fun scene to see, and you know, it's interesting thinking about this episode in this context because there were portions of it where it's just uh, it's just a Cara Dune and uh, grief and Mithral, and it really felt like their own show for a few minutes there and i thought that was interesting yeah i think i felt like they were trying to present it that way too i think that it's it's actually such a testament to the show because this it's such a it the show is so centered on the mandalorian it's called mandalorian but it's like like it functions like a western and westerns tend to be very single character centric um and without even you realizing it just over their appearances over the first season, you got enough of an attachment to Grief and Kara mm-hmm. that you didn't even question that you were seeing them. But like that, whereas a lot of shows, they would give you a couple small scenes to like warm you up into liking them. But it's kind of like, yeah, we'll spend time with these characters. We like them. We know them. And you, like, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll also like, cast one of them as Carl Weathers. So oh. no matter what, you're going to be charmed. I mean, as I was said in the first episode of this Mandalorian thing, and I meant it as the biggest compliment, he's just truly cutting into a big honey big ham the whole time and it's just uh, not so much this episode not focused, but like he is he's just so great and he is so charming and i think him and gina carano work together really well because um mm-hmm. she's not she's not a bad actress and but mm-hmm. she definitely does not bring a lot of uh charm and so I think that when you when when there's, there's a little bit of a spare character, but I, I mean that's what you're yeah getting. exactly, and I think ex- and I think that that's a good thing. Yeah, they wrote the character in such a way that it's to her strengths as an actress. And but I think having them together is great because it it you know they kind of play off where you see where like you can tell that uh, Kara thinks that grief is in universe a bit of a ham, and you can tell that grief thinks that Kara needs to light up a little bit. Uh, so like I think right. that that's fun. I, I just like it's amazing that you can have a character so smooth and velvety voiced mm-hmm. uh, in the Star Wars universe when there also exists Billy D. Williams. Like I just, yeah. I, it's how blessed are we to yeah. have both? Yeah. No, that's really cool. And um, yeah, as we get, and obviously Mando comes and rescues the three, and uh, as he's doing his uh, little flying exercise over there, so the plane spinning around, Baby Yoda's uh, spitting up dumb cookies. Mm. Uh, poor Baby Yoda there. Um, you know, unfortunate yeah, then, situation uh, for all him. All the meaning but, hey. for the phrase losing your cookies. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, right, don't, right. It was – I love how fun this show is that you know they're going to get out of it. And mm-hmm. still when you see Mando come through – 
I'm just thrilled. Like, it's just a big hero moment, flies in, it's effortlessly joyful, just seeing him spin through the air, take out one TIE fighter, does the cool, slow turnaround, come back in for the next one. It's a fun time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I I don't know, fun characters, fun action. Yeah. yeah. The plot moves just a bit forward. Uh, I... It is definitely the same kind of formula that they do when it comes to the animated stuff from um, what I've watched, but man, this live-action version is just so cool. Yeah, like I into. like I said previously, I think the thing that showed us so well, and it's something that it's like the perfect middle ground. And I think I want more TV to be like this. Is that I think we right. got, we've gotten yes, so sure. obsessed with TV either being completely episodic and like in a Law and Order type thing where every yeah. episode is a completely new thing, or it's completely serialized like Game of Thrones. Where like the thing that if you look back at Game of Thrones, the thing I don't love about it is that there are some episodes can, that can only be described in terms of like they're getting towards this, they're getting to, there's not a really contained plot yeah. for each one. Whereas this, The Mandalorian, is great because it has the best of both worlds where. Even though you said like it moves the plot slightly forward, normally that would sound like a criticism, but there is a, a problem created and solved in the span of the episode as well. So you get yes. the there's a satisfaction of solving the thing that is brought up in the episode, and you move the plot forward a little bit. So it's like so you you get to have you get to have a serialized story, but it never feels like where so many episodes of so many prestige TV shows, even really really good ones, feel like okay, so this is the one between these two. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. And, and it's not just. I think it's also in that the way the plot moves forward isn't necessarily that they're planting the particular seeds to mm-hmm. make it move forward, but yeah. it's that they're doing this world building. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so fun about it too. You know, you introduce new characters, you have them cross paths and you don't do it in, and you do it what feels like natural enough ways. Obviously when it comes to storytelling, you have to kind of create the situations and scenarios for it, but there's nothing, there's not like the whole like, you know, this rebel pilot is the third cousin of Gina Carano's character. Like, it's just none of that. It's mm-hmm. just it makes perfect sense why he'd be checking in there and starting mm-hmm. to investigate it and noticing things around. Like, it's starting to starting to turn into, like, a bit of a detective story for that character. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just cool how it's all coming together. Like, if it was – and it's funny because if, it, if this was a movie, we would have had uh, Chapter 11 – and then we would have probably skipped to um, where they meet Ahsoka if this yeah. was a movie. And I think right, the right. and that is the difference when you get the opportunity and more importantly, you get to take the time to tell a story like this one. And sometimes you need you don't need like everything so quickly. And I mean, to your guys' points, um, there is a an obsession um, in terms of when people are watching television. I need this right now. I need yeah. this immediate gratification, mm-hmm. satisfaction, and this is a this is an off uh, shoot of that. And just sometimes just put it in the slow cooker. Let this joint cook. Can and I right suggest now, for that's those people? Uh, can I give a suggestion for those people? Movies. Um, if you want your plot resolved soon, just watch a movie. <laughs> like it's not that hard. Right. <laughs> and I think that's and I think that's what it is. And. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, in comparison when the MCU starts to bring their stuff to to television and we start to see it, how people who have been movie, 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 you know, just like we have been watching all the movies, 
CV comparison towards uh, a television show and how that is distributed and how the plot advances. Because I just think this show just does such a good job of not being in a rush, but you feel like you are going somewhere. You know, like even episode two, even episode two with the spider, I do feel like, you know, and then eventually that episode paid off in episode three and episode four pays off um, what happens in episode three. So I think that's really important. And I'm glad that, you know, John Favreau's done such a great yeah. job. David I was Roman actually going to bring up John Favreau because I think that what you're talking about is what you, something you only can get if you have a established and like respected and powerful showrunner because yeah, especially like it's, it's a different story. If it's like a small network, like Vince, yeah, Gilded, the like, no one, like for sure. no one when they did breaking bad, but it was on AMC. So no one cared, but like there are very few writer directors who could, who Disney would trust to take their time. And he just so clearly has their trust because especially that episode two. Yeah. Episode two would not happen if, if like they just got a, you know, middle brow TV writer to create the show. Um, it's only because they have someone who's like, yes, I know the story I want to tell and you're going to let me tell it. And they're like, well, you did uh, direct Iron Man for us and the Jungle Book. So, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, no, and to and be fair for yeah. this, um, it it's not serving, at least to our knowledge at this point, any larger Star Wars arc. So while you do mention what they'll do with the Marvel series, I'm not necessarily expecting this kind of structure just because all those oh. shows, even though they're going to dive into those things, like they're just so much a part of the larger machine. Mm-hmm. Like in the way that you might have had a little more freedom when it came to the Netflix series, but even those were kind of more just like driving plot forward and there wasn't as much of like the separate serialized uh, stuff that we're praising over here. So, um, yeah, I'm just really enjoying how they're approaching it now uh, and not necessarily expecting that of the Marvel content to come. Right. And that's going to also be interesting when Star Wars does start to bring their other spinoff series uh, to the screen. We got Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's one that's uh, going to start uh, very shortly. And, um, yeah, they have a few in the pipeline and especially stuff that we've already seen in this. Um, I'm Bo-Katan as a character long term might be something that they won't, might want to do. And just the whole Mandalorian culture might be something that they explore further. Um, seeing Ahsoka, uh, this this next episode is going to be something that um, we may have Are to look at. Are we getting Ahsoka finally next yeah, episode? Yeah, Ahsoka is uh, Ahsoka's okay. coming this next episode uh, okay. this Friday. Okay. So that, that should be really interesting to see. Uh, shout out to Rosario Dawson. That should be really fun. Um and but yeah, before before I get completely derailed talking about that, we should get to the end of this episode. So as Mando is, uh, Mando saves them. He don't even have time to stop for a drink. He's out of there. He's he's headed to where Ahsoka is. Um, and uh, so it, it's interesting. They left it. They left two things before we get to the Moff Gideon ending. The Kara ending was, I found interesting. I felt like they were trying to let us know that there's something more happening with her as she kind of yeah. struggles with her uh, her role of being a soldier and what that means to her going mm-hmm. forward. So I feel like we're going to see more of that in a way. She's refusing the call, I believe, is what yeah. uh, nerds who talk about Joseph Campbell would say. Uh, <laughs> sorry, no offense. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Um, no, 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 it's cool. Uh, I like, I like that element to it because again, 
um, these kind of secondary characters, rebels and stuff, are relegated to just work in the background, shoot stuff mm-hmm. out of their X-Wings. But to give them more of a story here, uh, it'll be really interesting. I think um, the last time we saw anything that was kind of more related to an army or war content was Rogue One. And so if that's our, where we're leaning off of, then that's great to go dive into. Uh, definitely seeing that scene and thinking about how they approach the series, it's I just thought about how ironic it is that I originally fell in love with Star Wars because there were magical people with laser swords. And now there are basically none. And I might find this my favorite or most enjoyable thing to go through right now. And it might be a bit of a fatigue of, you know, the Skywalkers and all that. But, um, yeah, there's just something that's really cool about all these other parts of that galaxy. Yeah. Speaking of people with light swords, uh, we get to Moff Gideon at the end of this episode as apparently Alien with the Bug Eyes was a spy all along. He plants a tracker in the Razor's Crest and Moff Gideon is hot on the tail of Mando. And also, as the episode closes, we pan to a whole army of what looks like some dark troopers. And Mm. it seems like Business is about to pick up very shortly. Mm. <laughs> Whew, very excited to see what happens as we're halfway through the season. What did you um, guys think of that last scene, Jake? Oof. I mean, the Dark Troopers definitely get, were our... I don't, can't believe I'm going to use this phrase, but they're a vibe. Like, they're just a certain, like, feeling you vibe. Get, uh, when you see them. Like, the Stormtroopers, I think, are so parodied with how bad they are shooting and the guy who hits his head and yada, yada, yada. But the dark troopers just still are like, oh, like this means business. And especially now knowing that there are no guys with uh, laser swords, um, I really can't wait to see how uh, they come in because clearly Moff Gideon is not going to lose the child again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I first want to just shout out your excellent segue. That was amazing. Just like quality hosting on your part. Mm-hmm. Um, but past that, uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, business is about to pick up and – it's, 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 again, that thing that we're talking about here where it's like we get these really cool stories and now we're going to kind of kick in and maybe have a couple things that like are more focused and driven toward things coming to a head. So, uh, yeah, and, I mean, more Giancarlo Esposito, please. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah, absolutely. And these characters, it, these characters all feel like they're going to converge. Episode 3, the the Mandalorians, Bo-Katan, they're converging. Uh, Mando's about to see Ahsoka. That's converging. Moff Gideon hot on everybody's tail. Bo-Katan's looking for Moff Gideon. It's going to be a thing. The Dark Saber. We're going to see that in action. It should be a really fun way to kick off the second half of the season. Uh, we'll all be looking forward to recapping that. Before we go, two things. One, I wanted to ask you all because I saw this uh, this little news nugget today. Um, it's a chance Alfred Molina could be in Spider-Man 3 um, as uh, re- reprising his role as Dr. Octopus. Um, okay. th- the Spider-Verse vibes coming from this movie are just insane. Uh, Jake, what what you think, man? I mean, yes, please. Like, I, I, it's, it's twice on Tuesdays. I don't know. What do you want me to say? Like, yeah. Um, Doc Ock is great. Alfred Al- Molina is I think probably is you know uh, one of the best performances in a superhero movie villain ever. Um, I think super underrated. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, if they want to do all this, I think that um, I think to be to be honest, I think a lot of them are going to be sort of cameo-ish, which I don't mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but I think that if they could do it, I think it's it's exciting because I think so many of the things that, as I understand it, happen in comics where because you're just drawing characters, a character can come back whenever without having to worry about an actor. It is exciting to see that the MCU might have maybe has gotten so powerful where, like, for all intents and purposes, they can bring back any character for five seconds that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that that's just a lot of fun. And it also like just the whole Spider Verse thing. I think works so well for Spider Man because. In the 21st century alone, there have been three Spider-Men. And that's on, like, even though people talk about reboots with superheroes a ton, Spider-Man is so unique in that way. Um, And I think it's a good way of kind of addressing it. um, Because whereas I feel like even, like, the Batmans, for example, that are far enough apart from each other where they don't feel like you're – there's enough time where it feels like separate franchises – Mm-hmm. The Spider-Man franchise, even though they're all different actors and they're different franchises in actuality, it does really feel like another Spider-Man movie. Not for me because I care about this stuff, but for the general audience, it's like, oh wait, another Spider-Man movie is coming out? Not like a reboot. Like no one really cares. So I like the idea of them acknowledging almost that it is kind of the same character. Um, I don't know. I'm just super excited for it. It's gonna roll. Like I, yeah. The, I, the words don't really describe it. Just big smiles is really how I feel. Yeah. About it. Yes. <laughs> how about you, Jerome? If you have a few thoughts. Uh, yeah, no, just jumping off of Jake's point over there, I think what's really unique about the Spider-Man franchise and that there are three different Spider-Men is that there is, like, to Jake's point, they're so close tonally with each other. Like, when it came to Batman, there was, you know, the Burton era, then there was the Nolan era, then there was Batfleck, but they couldn't be further apart from each other. Like, Batfleck and Nolan kind of close, but, you know, from everything before that, like, even when you start factoring, like, the Schumacher stuff. But um, mm-hmm. when it comes to Spider-Man, that, <clears throat> like, the Andrew Garfield one, I, I think most people will say that is the worst of the three, but they, there is, there are, like, very strong camps for Toby and Tom, right? And so I love that, you know, this is the ongoing de- debate, but then... Marvel's like, all right, you can just have all of them then. <laughs> that's that's pretty dope. Like, and I, I think as someone uh, who had like at my age who had grown up with both and yeah. got to see everything along the way, um, right. it is very cool that they had this opportunity still to kind of honor uh, what was still like one of the best superhero movies um, still to this day, right? Mm-hmm. And especially now that you're. Like, when I heard Jamie Foxx, I was like, okay, all right. But <laughs> Alfred Molina, <laughs> like, Alfred Molina from Spider-Man 2, where uh, I, I still don't know where I stand. I really need to watch all of them together to really figure out what my GOAT is. But, like, Spider-Man 2, for so many people, is the GOAT Spider-Man. Yeah. And I, yeah. it's hard for me to even argue against it because um, there's something just so... It's just the perfect marriage of a Spider-Man story, everything hitting where it needs to, Sam Raimi at the height of his specific uh, superhero mm-hmm. powers. And um, there, there are definitely things there, and it really goes into the treatment of Doc Ock in that movie. Like, Doc mm-hmm. Ock is so perfectly a Sam Raimi character. Yeah. Um, I and- love Doc Ock because I think I'm so fascinated about with Doc Ock is that the his advent, whereas so many 
supervillains are done by their inventions. The invention mm. that does in Doc Ock is his secondary invention. It's something he mm. invented so he could handle his first invention. Right. Like he, he invented right. like his own son, but that's not what does him in. It's right. the arms he created to right. handle the son. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and so. Yeah, I, I think to bring back such a great actor and such a great character, uh, that definitely got me more excited about the larger returning characters to the Spider-Verse uh, than I would say some of the stuff I've heard so far. Yeah, I mean, for sure. It's going to be it's gonna be really fascinating to see. And, of course, all that kicks off with WandaVision as she will uh, wreck the Marvel Universe and we'll see what comes of that. Uh, but that is all for us for now. Well, before I before I say goodbye to everybody, I just want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving, happy mm-hmm. holidays. Um, I am thankful for you too. Um, it is always a pleasure and a joy to do this show with you guys. Um, it's one of the, it's really one of the two joys. It, it is an escape from the the realities of the of the work and uh, COVID crazy world that we're living in. And uh, just wanted to say that. Really thankful for y'all. Mm-hmm. Thank uh, you for you guys too. Solidarity as always. Same man. Love, love yeah. this uh, show and the people that have come up around it. Um, you know, it's uh, it's really just one of the joys of the past few years of my life. Um, yeah. Which you know, absolutely. Not, have not always been uh, great. As I don't know if anyone knows this, but it's very stressful to uh, graduate from school and not know what you're doing with your life. But it has <laughs> been great to have people right. to talk to and uh, you know, have a thing that you put out, even if like. You sat in your pajamas all day, and but you at least you put out a podcast. Now I'm not there anymore. Now I have a job. Yeah, I'm good. But for a while, it's touch and go. So right. uh, yeah. And, no, and- no, no, man. All of it, all of it matters um, in terms of taking care of yourself and all those things. Uh, it's good to have an outlet for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. And uh, for that, Jay Christie, where can we follow you, sir? You can follow me at the Jay Christie. Uh, listen to my other podcast, No Funk and Strictly Monk, in which Andre Barrera and I talk about the USA Network original series Monk. We just started season four. Um, we're trugging along through it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I just I, I, if you enjoy me when I'm on my bullshit. Um, tune in because there's I, I technically like the I'm the tenured one there whereas here I like defer to Anthony because he's the respectable guy but like there it's me and so it's a problem but um, anyway that's you at the height of your powers for sure it is and, and, and for, for mixed results <laughs> hey, so sometimes we just go Jay Christie Cook just like if y'all missed last week's episode make sure y'all listen to the essay I, I'm gonna that, listen to uh, that did on vision it's very, yeah. it very 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 well done y'all Thank should you. go listen to that and uh, one Jerome Chang, where can we follow you, my friend? Uh, you can follow me at Black Dragon Roll on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, right before this, uh, I put out just uh, just a random edit that crossed my mind based off things I've been taking in, whether it's been Mandalorian or Megan the Stallion. Uh, check it while it's still up there because I don't know it's getting flagged for piracy and everything so or for copyright um so who knows how long it lasts um but while it's still there I hope you enjoy that damn black dragon roll has done it again and uh for myself and I have to remember this because I just changed my username on twitter uh for a reason that will be uh told when, when it's time to but um, you can follow me on Twitter at AnthonyCanton underscore three. And, of course, follow the show at MC University Pod. Um, yeah, follow the show there. Rate, review, subscribe. Uh, unsubscribe and resubscribe and do that a couple times. Help us out with the algorithms. Why not? And uh, for Jay Christie, Jerome Chang, 
I'm Anthony Canton III. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time. Mm-hmm.